0: Uh, Let's uh, open our hearts, though, to God's Word this morning. We're going to be looking at a a familiar passage of Scripture, uh, Luke chapter 2. And I'm not going to read the whole Christmas story because we could probably all recite it from memory. But I am going to zero in on a couple verses, verses 15 to 20. But this morning I, I want to ask the question, okay, now what? because we're always inundated with the Christmas story, the Christmas story, the Christmas story at Christmas time. And it seems that it comes uh, as one of the the busiest holidays even on a secular plane. I mean, they start ramping up for Christmas pretty much after uh, Thanksgiving or after Halloween. And it's it's so important to realize that it's a it's a major thing in our economy, as well as just our own faith, that it's a celebration that we embrace every year, and so many times we we grow so familiar with, you know, the little children dressed up as angels, and you have the manger scene, and you have the shepherds, and you have, you know, the the trough that Jesus was was, uh, born in. Sorry, my mind is... I think my mind's in Hawaii this morning. I'm sorry. I just... you know <laughs> i got to refocus here. Lord, give me focus this morning. <laughs> but anyway, um, the effect of Christmas, it affects people differently. And um, it's, it's important to understand that there are some people that embrace this holiday with everything it has to offer. And boy, they, they're excited for family to get together. And it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful time of the year. But please understand, there's another segment of our society... That this time of the year is anything but joyful, is anything but peaceful. By this time of the year, a lot of people, when they lay their head on the bed at night, they're laying there remembering maybe a lost one, a loved one that they lost. And they're remembering some of the times that they shared at this time of the year, and pretty soon they're filled not with joy but with depression. And it's all that they can do to get out of bed on Christmas morning, let alone celebrate the Savior's birth. So I want to, this morning, focus on the effect of Christmas on us. What effect does it have, or does it have any? And I want to look to a passage in Luke that we're very common, familiar with, Luke chapter 2. And I want to read for us verses uh, 13 through 20. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 through 20. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And when they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger... Verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all, that had, for all they heard and seen as it had been told to them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So we build up to Christmas time. We celebrate the birth of the greatest gift that anyone has ever given anyone the gift of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the way of salvation. And when all the gifts are open and your stomach's full and you're looking at each other in your living room and you're wondering, okay, now what? Um, so many times that's how Christmas Day ends. Maybe with a ball game or something, but for the most part, that's how it ends. Well, it wasn't that much different, really, for the shepherds other than the fact that it had a profound effect on them. Because after this angel appeared to them and then more angels appeared to them and then pretty soon all the angels departed, the glory that lit the countryside nightline faded away. The stars, constellations probably reappeared and there the shepherds were all alone on a hillside with their flock of sheep. But it's interesting to me that when you read this, these couple verses here, you realize that they didn't allow any grass to grow under their feet. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds, it tells us that they received, this, they received this revelation. That's the first point there, that God reveals himself to us. That God reaches out, and he did that. Verse 8, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And it says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Trust me, if you came in touch with an angel, you'd you'd be filled with fear too. We have the ridiculous idea of angels nowadays. They're on our shelves and all this people almost worship angels today. It's ridiculous. But it says in verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So he kind of calms her fears down a little bit. And he says, hey, I'm here with, with good news. I mean, isn't it wonderful to receive good news? Have you ever had a doctor appointment and you go in and the doctor says, okay, I got some news for you. <laughs> and you're saying, okay, is it good or is it, is it bad? Is it good? What is it? And sometimes it's good and bad, right? And they say, what do you want first, you know? And then they kind of make a game about it. But here, it was only good news. The angel was bringing good news of great joy. Joy is something that supersedes all circumstances, that supersedes all happenstance, anything in our life. Joy can rise above that. And then he says that this good news and this great joy will be for all the people, all the people. It's a gift to the world. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now, that is wonderful news if you need to be saved. If you're in a situation, and you need to be bailed out of that situation, and you're looking for somebody to bail you out, and that person happens along and helps you, that's good news. That brings you joy. For some reason, once in a while, my cars seem to run out of gas. One time I was on my motorcycle. Believe it or not, my motorcycle ran out of gas. If you ever ridden a motorcycle, you know they have a little reserve tank, but I had the little thing turned the wrong way, so when I used up the reserve tank, I turned it to the regular tank, and I, I ran through all my gas. I was down off of Page Mill. It was a hot summer day, and I was coming down off of page mill right there at 280 and luckily i didn't get on the freeway yet so i just kind of pushed it into the field there and luckily i had my cell phone what did we do before cell phones i mean just just going to the airport picking somebody up at the airport but anyway uh had my cell phone i called my wife and she said you know well why'd you do that said, well, it's irrelevant why it happened i'm hot i need you to come and pick me up and we had you know a protracted conversation on the phone And told her where it was, and she came down, had a little hard time finding me, but she finally found me, and uh, picked me up, and we got some gas, and I was on my way back. But as much as the frustration of trying to communicate where I was, and didn't know if she could get there, and everything, you know, all that was frustrating, but when when she showed up with the car, (laughs) I mean, I was filled with joy, because I was hot, it was a hot summer day. And I was sweating and I just thought, man, turn the air on. Let's go to the gas station. Let's get this thing taken care of. It was good news. When when you're in trouble, when you're in a situation and you need help, there's nothing like having God come along just at the right time. And that's what he did here with these shepherds. At the proper time, he revealed himself to them in a way that is very uncommon. It's not like everybody got to see and have a confrontation with an angel. God directly revealed himself to these angels or to these shepherds through the the angel. And he tells them, and this will be a sign for you. In other words, listen, what I'm telling you is true. And just to back up my message, shepherds, so you don't think that this is a joke. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. At this time, the shepherds probably thought, what? Wait, okay, back up. You're, you're saying that, that there's this Savior that's going to be born, the Messiah, Christ the Lord, and he's going to be born in a, in a manger, in a feeding trough? I mean, these were mangers. These were shepherds. They understood what mangers were. I think that's why verse 13 is there. Because I think up to that point, the, the, the shepherds probably thought, wait a minute, this, this, is, this is too be, beyond belief. This would never happen. The Messiah coming and being born in a feeding trough of an animal. Verse 13 says, and suddenly there was with the angel, what? A multitude of angels, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, peace, among those whom with whom he is pleased. I've had occasion once in a while to be to attend a a Christmas program at a large church. When you whenever you do that, if you're in a large church and they have the choir and they have the big orchestra and they I mean there's it's just amazing. The music that comes off off that platform and you're just in your soul you're ju- you just you just want to praise god you just can't help but praise the lord in song whether you can sing or not is irrelevant because nobody can hear it's just so loud everybody's singing at the same time and it's just you know and, and something about christmas time singing christmas carols there's something about that that boy you sing have a tendency to sing a little louder You sing with a little more enthusiasm. Why is that? Because there's a message behind that song. that says, God has revealed himself to us personally through his word. What a glorious thing to know that we can take this book, the Bible, and any time of the day we can open it up and read God's word. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I mean, most of us probably have maybe 5, 10, 15 Bibles sitting in our, our, our homes on the shelf, And we've forgotten somehow that this is God's revelation. It would be almost like the shepherds, after them hearing this wonderful host of heavenly hosts praising God. The next verse. Well, then the shepherds kind of... Went back to caring for the sheep. (laughs) The show was over. No, that's not what it says. It had a profound effect on them. And when the angels had left and gone into heaven, it tells us when the angels went away from them into heaven, what happens? The shepherds said to one another, well, that was a pretty good show. <laughs> no. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Do you sense a little bit of their excitement? I mean, these are shepherds. They don't get this kind of excitement. I mean, they're out, bah, you know, chasing the sheep. I mean, that's all they know. They're not clean people. They're dirty people. They're kind of on the lower class of of the, the socioeconomic ladder. You know, if you were in town and you had to ask somebody for advice, you wouldn't say, you know, I'm going to go out there and ask that shepherd. I bet, you know, you wouldn't do that. You just wouldn't. And you see there in verse 15... After they received this revelation from God, through these angels, they said to one another, and that that verb is kind of in a continuous tense. In other words, they kept saying to one another. They just didn't say, yeah, you know, let's go to Bethlehem and check. No, they just kept saying it over and over. They couldn't contain themselves. By faith, they were acting upon God's word. That's what they were doing. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. See, the idea that somehow you can come to Christ and just kind of move on with life and it doesn't affect you, That's not the truth. Every person in the New Testament who was in contact with Christ, whose life was changed, was gloriously changed. See, it's it's really not enough just to peek into the manger once a year and look at the little baby Jesus and oh, how wonderful, how lovely is that? Gives me such warm, warm feelings inside. I'm here to tell you this morning, the truth is, even if Christ were born in Bethlehem a thousand times, but he hasn't been born inside you, you would be eternally lost. It would have no effect on you whatsoever. The Christ who was born into this world must now be born into your heart. Into your life. Because religious sentiment, even at Christmas time, beloved, without the living Christ, someone said, it's like a yellow brick road to darkness. It gives you all these warm and fuzzy feelings, but you know what? There's nothing in the end. There's no salvation there. The Savior of the world is Jesus, the Son of God, who came to earth veiled in Mary's flesh was born in human flesh he lived in the flesh he died in the flesh he was resurrected in that flesh and now lives in the same glorified flesh right now at the right hand of the father because the incarnation is a very real thing it happened and now that he came into this world he can come into your heart as well And so by faith, we see here in verse 15, these these shepherds begin to, there's an excitement. They begin to discuss this. Let's go out to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. They believed it. They believed God's revelation to them. Notice it says, which the Lord has made known to us. These guys weren't seeking this out, right? They were just out there minding their own business and their own sheep on the hillside. And all of a sudden, boom, it happened. I don't know about you and your salvation experience. But for me, I mean, having lived 19 years in a religious institution... And then all of a sudden, boom, God turned the light bulb on. And I began to realize all of a sudden, within a matter of weeks, that I'm not okay, that I need a Savior, and that God sent that Savior. And that if I put my faith, my trust in Him, just like these shepherds put their faith in what God told them, when I was told the gospel for the first time, I just didn't embrace it. It took me a couple weeks. It took God working in my heart. Because it was something that he did. So they say, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. What's the thing? Well, the the fact that the Savior was born that was made known to us by Him. That's how we're saved, beloved. God makes it known to us. He reveals Himself to us through the Word. I run into a lot of people, and sometimes when you share your faith with them, they, sometimes they'll come back and they'll say, yeah, yeah, I'm still searching for that. And I always say, well, stop searching. Just surrender. Just give up. And there's a little bit of sometime pride involved in what they tell me. Because then they go on and they list the different churches and different religious organizations that they've been in, involved in all their life. As to how somehow that makes them more religious, which it does, makes them more religious. Just doesn't make them sanctified, it doesn't make them saved. And see, the the shepherds understood that they, they had to believe this. This was something they couldn't just overlook. And then look at verse 16. It says, and they went with, what's it say? Haste. They went with haste. The idea is here, beloved, is that, you know what? Once they found this out, they could not wait. They couldn't wait. There wasn't something that had to happen before they just took off. But when you stop and think about what are they doing? What are they? They're shepherds. Okay, what do you think they're, they're out there doing? They're, they're shepherding animals. They can't just up and leave. So they had to make some preparation, obviously. They had to do something with these sheep. They had to go find somebody to take. Hey, man, we got to go. We got to go now. And there's an excitement there. You know, it's, it's one thing to have... Be in a situation where you have to go somewhere and your 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 press for time. The other day I was had a meeting and I had a, a an appointment at nine o'clock, and my goal was to be out of the meeting by eight thirty. And it was it was my fault that the meeting ran over because I kept talking, and 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 I'm watching the clock on the wall, you know, quarter till, 10 till. I'm thinking, I, you know, okay, I, I got to go. And I remember the last couple minutes, i running out to the car, you know, and, and, and praying and just taking off. Up Farm Hill, I had to go to, to De Anza up there for an appointment. And right as I'm getting on the freeway, I look, and all the cars are backed up. And I'm thinking... No, and then I, but I look on this side, and there's nothing, and there's a car on that overpass there. Somehow, this truck ran into the the side. I don't know if he spun out or what. I didn't see that part, but all the cars were backed up behind him, and I looked, and I thought, okay, people are helping him. I'm out of here. Boom, and I got on 280, and I'm thinking, man, this, God, thank you. There was no traffic because we're all behind this accident, <laughs> You know, other than a couple cars. And I I actually made it to my appointment on time. Without a ticket. I won't tell you how fast I was going, but I made it there. I just thought, you're probably doing the math now. Let's see, he got on it. If he left the church at 10 till, he said his appointment was at 9 (laughs) o'clock. Okay. That's why we call it Grace Bible Church. But it's important, beloved, that we understand that they were excited to get going. It, it wasn't the pressure kind of excitement. It wasn't like, oh, i got to get out of here and get the... No, they, they just couldn't contain themselves. They were, they were ready to go. And it says, they went with haste. That's the action. That's the action that we see here. They actually acted upon the faith... And upon the revelation that God gave them. Have you acted upon the revelation that God has given you? And I'm not just talking about salvation. Hopefully, you've acted upon that. But even as Christians, when God continues to reveal Himself through His Word to our hearts, and He continues to show you ways in which He wants to use you within the body of Christ. Are you acting upon that by faith? Or are you just looking at your schedule going, ah, I'm too busy? <laughs> later, God, later, God, later, God. The shepherds could have very easily said, hey, there's no way we can go there, man. We've got all these sheep. You know, I mean, we've we got to do our due diligence here. We're shepherds. You know, what just happened anyway? I don't know, these, these angels, I mean, this was incredible, but do we really have to go to Bethlehem? They could have said that. But they didn't. They acted upon it. And I think it's amazing that it says they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Now, when you stop and you think about that, I mean, you'll wonder how this all happened. So they're out on the hillside, probably about two miles from Bethlehem. They have this glorious revelation from God, their faith says, yeah, this is real. We've got to do this. And they act upon it. They, they start to travel. They take care of their sheep, whoever. And then they, 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 they travel the two miles to Bethlehem. Not a big place. I mean, they come into town, and everybody's probably looking at these shepherds like, hey, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> well, where are your sheep? What's going on? I can't tell you right now. We, we got we to gotta find the baby. What? What are you talking about? Uh, you wouldn't believe this if we told you, but are any babies born here tonight? Well, Charlie said he saw some couple with, you know, she was pretty big, you know. Or she could have been pregnant. They checked in over there at the inn, I think. All right, thanks. They run over there. No, there's nobody here. Maybe one of the shepherds turned to the other. Hey, remember what the angel said? He'd be in a, he'd be in a feeding trough. What are we checking in the inn for? Yeah, that's right. You go that way. I'll go this way. Check all the feeding troughs. And they find Mary and Joseph... And they find the baby Jesus lying in a manger. It's amazing sometimes when God reveals something to us through his word. By faith, we trust that word, we act upon it. And then we begin to see God's plan come together. I don't know about you, but that is exciting. That's exciting. Sometimes it happens in a night like it does here. Sometimes it may take a lifetime for God to have his way and to work and to make all these things work out for his good pleasure. But don't be mistaken that God is doing that. He's doing that in your life. He's doing that in my life. And you see here, that they found Mary and Joseph. And remember, I mean, Mary and Joseph, they're, they're kind of common folk too, right? The baby. I don't think that they were looking for some baby with a halo over his head. You know, I don't like you see in the pictures, I don't think Jesus had some bright, you know, little thing on his head. No. And Mary didn't have one of those either. They, they were just common folks. But when the, The shepherds found the place. You can almost hear them. Hey, I got one over here. I got a a mother and a father, and they said they just had a... Yeah, hey, the baby's in the manger. This is it. Come, come here. The other shepherds kind of hurry over there. And you can imagine Mary and Joseph going, Wow, can we help? (laughs) What do you want? sorry, are we, are we in your stall here? You know, maybe they asked him that. I don't know. The innkeeper said, we could, we could be here. We're not trespassing. And the shepherds, no, 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 no. No, I, I, we can't believe what has happened. And I bet you they, they just, at the same time, started talking. You know, like on those no, news programs? You know, when they got a panel of people? Ever watched that and somebody asks a question they all start talking at the same time. You can't understand anything. It's just ridiculous. Then finally somebody says, okay, stop, one at a time, one at a time. I bet you that's what happened to the shepherds. They all stood there talking and Joseph and Mary are probably just dumbfounded going, what in the world are these people doing here? And I think as they began to realized they weren't making any sense, that Mary and Joseph probably said, hey, hold on, wait, wait. You're going to wake the baby up, first of all. Secondly, (laughs) one at a time. One at a time. What do you want? How can we help you? And they began to share with Mary and Joseph what they had just experienced. I mean, you can, you can imagine. them. You're not going to believe this. Well, try us. Okay. You now, we're just out on the hillside minding our own business. We weren't, we weren't harming anybody. We were just caring for our sheep. And all of a sudden, I know this is kind of hard to believe, but an angel appeared to us. Mary and Joseph are probably going, uh huh. <laughs> and the angel said that on this night in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord was going to be born. Joseph and Mary, uh huh. And the shepherd, and, and he's, the, the baby is going to be found in a manger. You got a baby, there's a manger, and the baby's in the manger. Guess what? You're it. And you can imagine Joseph and Mary kind of looking at the shepherds, and then probably at each other, and beginning to crack a little smile. And the shepherd's standing there, what? You don't believe us? Really, really? We're talking. Oh, we believe you. And maybe Joseph at that point related very clearly his encounter, his understanding of, of what happened. Yeah, Mary and and I are uh, engaged to be married, and an angel told me that um, she was going to have a child. <laughs> but you know, we haven't we're we're engaged. You know, we we haven't really. So I had a hard time with that. So I was trying to figure out a way to put her away quietly. I didn't want to hurt her, but. Then I was told, no. Get rid of that plan. This is part of God's plan. And I bet you, Mary, at that point, you know, I I had a visit from Angel 2, Gabriel. And he came, even even though I'm, I'm a young girl, and I'm a virgin, and the shepherd's probably, you're a virgin? I'm a virgin. The angel told me that you're going to have a baby. And that baby is going to be the son of David, the son of the most high God. And he's going to rule over a kingdom that will last for all eternity. At this time, probably the shepherds are going, uh huh. <laughs> So you got a story too, yeah. But you know what? It's all fitting together. They told the story about the angel and the angels. They heard the story of Joseph and Mary. So they're, they're eager at this point. They're really they're excited about what God is doing. And it says in verse 17, that when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Form of witnessing. That's what witnessing is. You make known to other people what God has revealed to you. These weren't just any evangelists. These were pretty pretty, pretty aggressive evangelists, these shepherds. They were, they were really uh, high in their spirit about this whole thing and how it's playing out. And they began to witness. And it says in verse 18, what's the result of their witness? It says, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. They wondered at what, what the shepherds told them. has the idea that they were just kind of blown away. Trust me, if you were back in this day and age, and you told somebody, first of all, you were visited by an angel, and then you were visited by more than one angel, and they all sang the song, and then they told you to go and find that the uh, Son of God, the, 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 the Messiah is going to be born, and they're going to put him in a feeding trough, I mean, that that seems like a crazy tale. So they were wondering at that. They couldn't believe it. But all the evidence was there. There was the drop. There was the baby. There was Mother Mary, Joseph, affirming these facts. The shepherds affirmed the fact that they had an encounter with the angels as well. Did you wonder at all when you first received a revelation from God through his word and your faith was put into action and God gloriously saved you and you began to witness and tell other people? They probably looked at you and scratched their head and said, what happened to you? What happened to you? I think sometimes as we grow older in our faith, we lose that sense of wonderment. We lose the urgency to witness. We lose the passion for the gospel. Our hearts are no longer overwhelmed by joy. We don't feel under compulsion to tell every living soul what happened to us and the glory of the gospel. And it just seems we're we're less excited about our salvation the older we grow in the Lord. We probably get more excited over sports events or restaurants or vacations, or grandkids, or houses, or cars, or possessions than we do over the incredible fact that God sent His Son as a sacrifice for us. And not only that, but He revealed Himself to us in a way that we acted by faith and caused us to to believe in Him. And over the years, we've seen God do incredible things in our lives no doubt don't ever lose that sense of wonder it means to marvel it means to be absolutely amazed by the fact that Christ saved you that God saved you he saved me And we have a a diligent duty to go out and to share that, be a witness and testify to that fact that he can save others too. It says all who heard it wondered. doesn't mean they got saved. Some of them probably said, hey, that's a pretty good story. Let me think about this for a little bit. Being wondered in wonder over something doesn't save you, beloved. But he says in verse 19 that not only the people that heard what the shepherd said, but it says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I mean, here she is, maybe probably a couple years short of 16. Teenage kid. Young woman. Can you imagine all the stuff that has just happened to her in the last year? Amazing. And it says that she just kind of sat there and treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. It's so important that we understand that it's good to reflect back on the goodness of God in our lives. I bet you Mary probably sat there and thought, you know, God, thank you. This, this could have ended so wrong. Joseph would have had a right to have me stoned under these circumstances. But you showed me grace. He could have put me away privately, but you showed me grace. Something could have happened on our trip here, but you showed us grace. And now I'm staring at this divine baby in this feeding trough with the understanding that it's your son. I mean, this baby was conceived without me ever knowing a man. This baby is the son of the Most High God. This baby is the rightful heir to the throne of David. This baby is literally the Savior of the world. He's the anointed, appointed Messiah. This baby's God, the Lord. How would you like that task, moms? <laughs> 14 years of age, and you're, you're holding the Son of God in your arms. Hmm, when's he going to start doing miracles? What can I expect from this child that I'm holding? Is it going to be a normal relationship? like I see other mothers having with their baby boys? Am I to nurse this child like other mothers do? Will I raise this child? What's he going to be like? When will he enter his glory? When will he take his kingdom? When will all this happen? How am I going to be a mother to a child that is God? She had a lot to ponder in her heart. She had a lot to wonder about. And it wasn't all easy. Later on we see where, in verses 34, 35 of chapter 2, Simeon comes to Mary and says, Hey, Mary, i got some bad news. I hate to tell you this, but this child is going to pierce your heart like a sword pierces a heart. It's not all going to be wonderful. This is going to be a painful experience for you, Mary. It's going to go right into the depth of your soul. think, as a mother, she saw him suffer so profoundly, so unjustly. Eventually, she was there when he was nailed to the cross. I mean, suffering upon suffering as a mother of the Son of God. I mean, that's kind of what our Christian walk is like. I mean, when you stop and think about it, it starts with God's revelation. It starts with us responding by faith, which moves into action. We begin to tell people, we begin to witness of how God has done incredible things in our lives. They begin to wonder what happened to us. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 20, it says, And the shepherds returned. See, that's the neat thing about salvation. It doesn't change who you are as a person. I know a lot of people who are afraid to commit their lives to Christ because they don't want to become something they're not. God doesn't do that. He says these shepherds went right back to shepherding. They went back to doing what God had called them to do. Granted, probably with a newfound (laughs) glory. With a newfound praise. Because they saw the revelation of God played out before their eyes. In verse 20 it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. That's part of the salvation experience too, though, isn't it? There comes a point in time where after you sit back and you look at your life and you're thinking, wow, this is incredible what God has done. You can't help to praise him. As a Christian, you've had the most incredible transformation after hearing the revelation of God's word. You embrace Christ. You've begun to witness... Life goes on, but it goes on with a different attitude. I bet you these shepherds were never the same. They couldn't be. They were glorifying and praising God. Compare your attitude this morning from when you first came to Christ, whether it was A couple months ago, a couple years ago, or maybe many years ago. What was your attitude after God revealed himself to you and you found salvation in Christ? And compare it to your attitude today. Are you as eager to praise and glorify God today as you were the day you got saved? Is there a reckless abandonment to sharing your faith, not caring what people think? as it was on the first day of your salvation. My family thought I had lost my mind after I got saved. When I came out to California, I was saved in April. By May, I was in California, Southern California, didn't know a soul, going to a Christian college that I never even visited. Just showed up. I remember some of my family members, are, are you, is this a cult? Are you joining a cult? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, I mean, okay, you, you got your degree in criminology, now you, you're saying you're going to go do this. And I wasn't saying i was going to go be a pastor. I had no idea. I had no idea what God wanted me to do. I just said I need to do something. I need to learn more about who this God is that saved me. And a pastor told me, Pastor Westgate actually man that had this heart transplant, visited our church before. He told me, he said, look, the best thing you can do is go to a good Bible college. Learn about God. Learn about his word. God have got to show you from there what you're to do. Because in all honesty, beloved, after I got saved, I mean, the very next day, I remember just feeling anger like I've never felt before against a church that had taught me for 19 years that if I just keep on trying and do enough good works and, you know, just trust the church, trust the church, that somehow it's all going to be okay. And I remember the day that I got saved, I thought, wow, I did all this, and it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Nothing, zero. I remember coming up with the plan. I'm, I'm going to go become a priest. I'm going to become a priest, and I'm going to play along the little game until they actually make me a priest, then I'm going to expose the whole thing. <laughs> that was my master plan. It lasted about a week and a half before I talked to Pastor Westgate. He said, that's probably not a really good plan. <laughs> Let me give you another option. But it leads to that, that, that praise, that excitement that somehow God is going to use us for his glory. They went back glorifying and praising God. And the last thing, it always ends here. It, it, it ends at the point of obedience. That's what they did. It says, and at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, this was something that was prescribed in their law. This is something that was expected for them to do. Mary could have said, well, this is the Son of God. We're not going to do this. No. She said, no, we need to be obedient. So they took their little baby, and he was circumcised the eighth day. It says that he was called Jesus. They could have called him something else, but no, they didn't. They were obedient to what the angel told them. And I like that last phrase in verse 21. Before he was conceived in the womb. Before he was conceived in the womb. He was given that name. I mean, when you stop and you think of the plan of God, it doesn't correlate to our time frame, beloved. It doesn't have anything to do with it. God works outside of time. He transcends all time. So when we think that we're in the middle of a situation and we just think there's no way I'm ever going to get out of this, whatever, we just need to remember, you know what? God is the one who cares for me. God is the one who's there for me. He's not turning his back on me. This isn't catching God by surprise, Matthew 1.21, the angel said to Joseph, when he's born, you will call his name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. That's what Christmas is all about. The fact that God became a man. That through God's revelation, we can have faith in that revelation and we can put our faith into action. And we can begin to witness and we can see people begin to ponder and wonder about the, the incredible thing that God has done in our lives. And we can't help but praise him and be obedient to him. I pray this Christmas that you will continue to respond to God's revelation in your life. Father, we pray this morning and thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that You're a God who, before even time began, knew us, knew what we would be like. Father, we ask that you would uh, minister to hearts here this morning. Lord, this time of the year, whether it's a joyous occasion or a hard time for some people, Father, we all have the same resource in you. And Lord, your word says that you will be a father to the fatherless, that you'll be there to help the heartbroken, the down and outers, those who may not have a family member to spend Christmas time with. Father, we pray that you would do your mighty work in their hearts. Draw them close to you. Remind them of your presence in their life. And Lord, for us Christians, help us to never grow weary, grow tired of doing what you've called us to do for your glory. Help us to regain that excitement that we had the first day we were saved. When we were sharing our faith in ways we'd probably never dream of now. (laughs) Let us get back to that. That urgency. That desire to Share the glorious gospel that so changed our lives with those around us. And Father, we pray a special blessing on all the families here at Grace Bible Church and their families, that they would have a, a joyous and, and just a, a wonderful Christmas time and New Year's. Pray that you would keep us safe, You would keep our hearts and minds stayed upon you. And Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.